Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Isidoro Flumignan Zaitola, student and senior ePortfolio intern at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and I am thrilled today to introduce Isidoro Flamignan Zetola. How did I do, Izzy? <laughs> Perfectly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. So Izzy is the senior ePortfolio intern um, at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, where he's working towards a Bachelor of Science in Forensic Science with an Anthropology minor. Did I leave anything out? Oh, correct. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, how did you uh, first become interested in forensic science and anthropology? I mean, I guess a lot of people in my generation are kind of interested in police stuff because of mm-hmm. all the shows we have been created over time, right? We see CSI, I think even, I think CSI is actually recorded at John Jay sometimes, the labs, I'm pretty sure. Oh, they, really? I didn't realize yeah, that. A lot of shows are recorded at John Jay. You see sometimes they close the patio, they close like a specific part of the college to like record a specific show. It's pretty cool. Very I mean, cool. you can really go there and see everything, but you can see all the cameras and like some famous people. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I was watching a couple of shows when I was a teenager and I was like, yeah, I think I want to do something like that. You know, I, I mean, the feel of justice and at the same time, like, uh, mixing with science and everything. It's pretty cool. I was pretty interested. I'm still very interested on that, of course. So that's how I started. And, um, also that's a new major worldwide in a way. So in Brazil, there was no, where I'm from, by the way, in Brazil, there was no major as forensic science. So like, if I wanted to do forensic science, I couldn't do it in Brazil because there was no bachelor majors in forensic science. So I, I had to go out some way. It could be Europe, it could be any other country, but like somewhere they could like uh, offer me that major. Right. And fortunately, John Jay accepted my application and then I came here. (laughs) So how did you learn about John Jay while you were in Brazil? So in fact, actually, I wasn't going to apply to John Jay or any other public schools because it's more difficult to get accepted as international student, right? They require like mm-hmm. higher grades and higher um, everything in a way. So uh, what happened, I didn't really know about the existence of John Jay, honestly, um, but I was in Brazil and that was going to happen this conference. Some like universities from different countries were going to be there and their representatives were going to talk and like, you know, com- uh, make a conversation with some other students that were interested in um, studying abroad. And that was a guy from John Jay. And I started talking to him and he said like about being at a college of criminal justice and all the majors. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what I need. That's what I want, right? So after I met the guy, um, unfortunately, I forgot his name, <laughs> so I can't really say what his name was, but he was, he worked at Jonja at the time. I met him, I got all the information I needed, I went to the website on Google, I 
did my research. I fell in love with the college before I come in here, honestly. And they accepted me, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. So how many years have you been at John Jay so far? You're you're going to be finishing up soon, aren't you? Yeah, I'm already a senior. So <laughs> I'll be finishing this year or the next because I had to take a break during COVID. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, a semester behind, I would say, but uh, mm-hmm. I'll be finishing this year or the next, yes. Yeah, that's so exciting. Do you think you'll stay in New York or are you planning to go back to Brazil or... So it really think? depends because I'm under a student visa, right? So um, if I want to stay in the U.S., I have two options. I could get go to post-grad and get my education or I could um, get a work visa. Both options are good by me. Like I would love having two of those opportunities or even like both of them at the same time. That could also happen, but it really depends what they will be able to offer me. Another option that I have been seeking the moment uh, is doing my postgrad uh, in Europe because I have yeah. uh, Italian citizenship. So that would make things a little bit easier and cheaper maybe because New York is very expensive for me though. Yeah. So how, so you grew up, did you spend your whole um, childhood growing up in Brazil? Before you came to John Jay, because you mentioned you have Italian mm-hmm. citizenship also. Could you tell oh, me yes. a little bit about that history? Uh-huh. I spent, I was born and raised in Brazil. I came to the U- U.S. for college. I didn't came before college, was specific for college. So when I was like 18. And I know um, through our other conversations with um, students at, at John Jay, it's an incredibly diverse community there. What was it like for you as you first joined the, the community? Did you find that transition to be pretty welcoming or were there some challenges along the way? I mean, there was a bunch of challenge. Uh, challenge. Like, I cannot lie. <laughs> like Making friends was a little bit hard. I guess mm-hmm. also because I'm an international student, some of these things are a little bit harder for me, right? Because English is my second language, so like communication wasn't that easy, especially in the first years. Mm-hmm. Making friends wasn't that easy. I had no family here, so also right. it was a bit difficult sometimes. Um, yeah. But overall, everyone was very uh, welcoming and like warm. There was a couple of clubs that I used to uh, to frequent play a goal there. Like uh, we have international students club at John Jay. So most of the times, like all international students, they don't have people to pass the holidays, especially Thanksgiving and all their family holidays, right? Because we don't have a lot of family here. Most of us don't have any family in the U.S. So um, those clubs, they offer different events and we share our experience, our cultural backgrounds, our cultural um difference um also e-portfolio it was pretty cool for me because i entered the program as i was a freshman i was an upper freshman and the girls when i was working that i was the only girls when i concentrated they were so cool they were so warming they helped me a lot not only in terms of my job right that i was still learning how to do it but also other parts of life in college in general so that's wonderful. So how were you first introduced to ePortfolios at John Jay? So at John Jay, most English classes, they require ePortfolio, especially 101 and 201. 
when I did my English 201 was when I was first introduced to ePortfolio. We had to create an account and do all the classwork. And I have to say, I really enjoy it. So I did my best. I did a very cool portfolio with a lot of backgrounds and pictures, everything I could do it. Of course, it's not the best one. Like I could do definitely a much better one now. <laughs> but at the time, for what I knew how to use it, right, it ended up pretty good. And then uh, I received an email from the portfolio program uh, saying about the showcase that we do every year and invited me to apply for the showcase and everything. I applied, we did the whole showcase with the networking part, with the trophies and everything. And then afterwards I was talking to the girls, the girls who I was talking before that they helped me on the portfolio. Yeah. Um, and they said they were looking for students to hire, right? And I was like, well, I'm gonna try to apply. I'm not sure if they're gonna accept me, right? Cause I don't really know as much. But then I applied, I kept talking to them. I went to a second interview and did the whole training as well. We did like two weeks of training. Um, they said I was good to go and that was pretty much it. But yeah. Well, that's it. They were very impressed with you. I guess. Yeah, that's great. So um, in your role as a um, now the senior ePortfolio intern, what are some of the kinds of work that you do? I think, I mean, you're asking more like the difference between the junior and the senior interns or what interns? Sure, yeah. How do they kind of, um, you know, as you started, what kind of support did they give you to then be ready to support other people within the community? Mm -hmm. It sounds like they, they needed to give you some guidance to get to get ready to help others, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the training were like how for you to behave in front of a faculty, in front of a student, how to talk to them, how to, you know, because like in that position, you have to, even though we are still students, you're not in that class. If you're doing a workshop, for example, as a student, you are there as staff, as a faculty, right? So that's the main difference they wanted us to learn, to understand, right? That you can't right. just be there and like playing with the students of like, you know, saying like, I don't know, curse words and everything. You need to like <laughs> behave professionally, even though you're always students and maybe there are friends in the classroom with you. Right, right. So that was a little bit of the training. Also, a lot of the training that I needed. I'm not sure if they <laughs> are that strict with this type of training with everyone, but I know that was for me, but that was like a request of mine because that was the most difficult part for me, which is public speaking. Because mm -hmm. you need to achieve a, um, certain goals, right? You need to speak loud enough, but not too loud, like you're screaming at them, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to say words that people understand. You have to go slow. You have to get a good pace and everything. So you have to learn these little things. And we have the trainings to kind of understand them, but you really only learn it when you put on the workshop and to talk to them, right? Yeah. So that's when a lot of the senior interns went enter um, to help the junior interns, which are pretty much like the freshman interns in a way, right? To help you how to conduct that, right? So most of the times the seniors, they start the workshop and then the junior interns, they end the workshop because they, they see a little bit how to do it and they can try it later. And then they receive a little bit of feedback, why maybe they forgot to say something or maybe they didn't have a, a good pace. And then in a way, we are kind of training, practicing to get into the master level in a way. Mm, okay, so then what is that next step? What's considered the, the master level? It's just like, for me, for example, like um, 
I do workshops. I don't need any script anymore. I pretty much know everything. If some students like raise their hands and they need a specific question, everything just easy for me to answer. You know, we do. Then um, you are able to do follow up workshops, which are like the second workshops, not the first one that are more introductory, but the second one when you can go more advanced on some methods and some tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You answer students questions also what i like to do i like to play a little kahoot games which is like quizzes and like to see if the students are really learning what we did in the first workshop and everything so the more you learn the more you become more a senior intern than a junior intern you can pay attention to other things you can make your workshop a little bit more dynamic you can make it your networking different you know you can communicate with the class a little bit better so that I would say would be like the master level when you're like in a way you not you don't need to learn a lot of other things like related to portfolio and everything. You're learning more how to communicate all that you know, all your and, knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. So would you mind sharing, is there a particular um, student or uh, maybe an instructor there where you felt like you made a big impact on what their experience with ePortfolio is like. I think like a professor that I would put in this um in this category would be Professor Kim Liao. She's a professor John Jay English two oh one. And the way um almost every time we go to do a workshop with her, we pretty much share the classroom. Because a lot of professors they let us do our job. Because they also have their dif difficulties with ePortfolio. They also kind of learning. They also have to watch the workshop and everything. But Professor yeah, Kim yeah. Liao, for example. And um, the way she does her class, when she's explaining all the rhetorical choices, how you do it, how she wants the students to put their creative in the work as well, you know. So I think she does a portfolio a little bit different from the other professors. I think she can um, introduce it better within her coursework, you know. So that's very good. She not only seeing the students once, but she also has her thing. She does her thing. She always helps the students. She knows everything. She's a very good professor. I mean, most of the time, she, what she wants is us to create a template. A cool mm -hmm. template with all the pages and everything to facilitate the students, you know, then the students can spend more time on um, customizing the portfolio instead of doing like the pages and all these other things. Although we, they also had to learn this because they will probably add more pages during the semester, but at least like the main ones they already have. Nice, nice. So it sounds like you do quite a bit of um, work in the physical classroom. Uh, providing some demonstrations of the the tools and answering questions. What kind of support might you provide outside of the classroom too? We also have the one-on-one -on -one support sessions. That's how we call them. It can last for like 15 minutes or like one hour, uh, whichever the, the students needs. Most of the times the students need like 20 minutes just to understand what's going on with their portfolios or understand how to log in or something that's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this one-on-one -on -one support session we do offer in person. It could mm -hmm. be a, we have a lab at John Jay with computers. So this, the student don't have a laptop or a notebook with them. They can use the comp the college computers there in the, in the lab. And we also offer virtual uh, on Zoom. So the students, because uh, John Jay offers the Zoom account for free for all the students, as long as we have the John Jay email. 
So that's also easier for the students sometimes to just pop in a Zoom call with one of us. Oh, that's great. So it's out, how many uh, ePortfolio interns does John Jay have currently? I think we have about 10 or 8 working right now. Yeah, uh, we have uh, a couple of them are uh, college assistants and other mm -hmm. ones are under federal work studies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so are all of you available to go into the classrooms or offer the one-on-ones or do you kind of divide up responsibilities based on in intern know-how or things that you like to do? How do you, what's the kind of division of labor like within that team? Mm -hmm. So uh, first it really depends on the time period. Cause like if we're not mm -hmm. working that day, it won't be scheduled for a workshop that day, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, we try most of the time have two interns per per workshop. Cause okay. then while one intern is doing the workshop itself, other intern can now help the students answer questions and make the classroom a little bit quieter and not a lot of like people with the hands up asking questions, right? And also as we all have a lot of tech issues with computers, login, emails. It's good to have another, uh, another person there helping the students with that part specifically. There are occasions we have more than two interns. We have a couple science classes, science workshops that we have. They have more than I don't know about two hundred students, a hundred students. So it's a lot. So to be able to do all this, we normally try to have four interns or three interns for that specific class. Yeah, but it's that only specific class that it's very big and we need more people to support all the students that may have questions, right? And one of the ways that I've gotten to know the the work of the ePortfolio interns is also the way that you've been leveraging social media to connect with the community there. And would you mind describing some of the ways that your team uses some of these different tools? I'm, <laughs> I'm often surprised that more institutions aren't jumping on that as well. And I think you guys do a great job. I think the most popular social media, well, I guess the social media we have most followers are on Instagram. I think it's easier to reach to students on Instagram. I think it's most popular right now between like the, the young people. I don't really know, but it seems like. And what we do to get more people into our social media, because that's where we post our events, our some mm -hmm. tips and other things related to portfolio or college related. Um, we do this raffle every week, which is we have a couple of merch, such as a John, John Jay t-shirts, portfolio t-shirts, um, pen drives, um, power banks. So I have a different um, merch. And then we do the raffle while we do the tabling. The tabling, I don't know, it's pretty much like we stay in a table in mm -hmm. college in a point and then people come by and ask questions and then you help them on, on the place. Just a way to put your name out there in college. So then we do the raffle when we're talking to students where they approach the table and they, they can join by uh, putting their email and only the email and their names on the raffle. And to enter the raffle, you have to follow us on social media. It could be TikTok, it could be Twitter, it could be Instagram, Facebook, although I don't really think we use Facebook anymore. And then we ask the students to follow us, show them they're following us, and then they can participate in the raffle. So that's the way we sh we found to get more um to reach more students.
because students love free stuff. They love a free t-shirt. They love a free pen drive. So like as long as we're offering something to them, they want to follow us. And then they get in contact with us. They see all our posts and everything. They wear the merch. So that's pretty good as well. Yeah. Yeah. Always good to get more more exposure. And um, I, I've also been really excited to see how social media is used to promote some of the showcase events that you have with your students as well. And I don't know how many of those showcase events are happening physically on campus. If they totally moved online during the pandemic and if they're now in person or if you're doing a mix of both, would you mind talking about that a little bit too? So the showcase is pretty much our biggest event. We are always very hyped <laughs> for the event because yeah. um, we have a lot of faculty coming. We have a lot of students coming. Just like a very fun day or for event because like we divide in a couple of days because the showcase always comes on spring every year during spring. So last year was the first year we could take it in person. We did not do the full showcase in person. We did only the award ceremony in person. Mm -hmm. So for those who were available and could go, they could go have some lunch, have some food, and then we would have the award ceremony. We get some faculty to speak up. We get presidents to speak up, uh, students yeah. to speak up, and then we show the portfolios. We announce who's the winner and everything. It's a very fun and cool event. Everybody's kind of dressed So how many students are usually celebrated during these events? Or do you have showcase events that are specific to students and specific to to instructors um the specific numbers i have to say i'm not really sure i know that i because every time we're doing the, the the showcase we have a couple of students that we have to talk to them and do a couple of feedbacks and help them with questions and everything each one of us might get like about 25 students to talk and try to see like what's going on, if they're good, if they have any questions, if they need help to prepare for the showcase and everything, because they also present like do a, a little bit of presentation right during the showcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes we have to help the students to get their nerves down and everything on how to do the presentation. Yeah. So um, if we have each one of us have 25 when we're about like 10, so I guess we got almost 200 students sometimes. Of course, a lot of students, they sometimes just stop answering because it's a lot of work to them sometimes or life happens. So, um, but we always have a lot of people. I think the, our last showcase was the showcase we have the most people so far. But okay. I, I cannot say numbers because I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, no, that helps just as a, kind of a rough estimate if each of you is kind of supporting around 25 students to prepare for the event um and what is what's the process involved um in selecting those students are there um instructors that are kind of coming to you saying these are the students that are doing really great work in my classes or are you as some of the e-portfolio interns going out and finding students or are they applying what what is that process like so we have our application form, which is open for any John Jay student, even for grad students or people that are like, so we have some clubs that also have portfolios. So if the whole club mm -hmm. wants to participate as one student, they can also do this, 
right? Mm -hmm. So you can uh, fill that form individually and manually. Or what we also do, we send emails to people from our previous workshops. Because like, um, if you know how education works, right? We have the course page and we have a list with all the students and everything, right? Yeah. So we go through the portfolios from each um, class that we did a workshop in the previous years. We check some students. We email the students we think should participate in the in the showcase. And we also ask the professors that we had um, done uh, workshops previously to send the prof to the, their students the message saying about the sh showcase, for them to apply, how could they benefit from the showcase and everything. Yeah. I know I got my, when I applied for the showcase, um, I don't remember no one emailing me. No, yes, they emailed you, yeah, they emailed me. But I honestly, I know it sounds kind of bad, but I did ignore the email the first time I saw it because I didn't really understand what that was that for. But then when I saw a couple like handouts over the campus um, about the showcase, I scanned the QR code. Um, I think that time there was no QR code, but they had the link there, so I had to type mm -hmm. in manually the link. <laughs> it was a little bit different. It was 2018. Um, <laughs> and then I applied myself manually. So we have both options. We try to reach to students to kind of convince them to apply it. Because sometimes they just need a little bit of push <laughs> to apply it, you know. And we also have the students that apply by themselves. And have you heard... Um you know, for those students that have been selected to be part of this showcase, what that has meant for them. I don't know if they share some of their feedback about that when they get up and present what they've done, but I'd be curious to hear. I think one big, um, uh, one thing that I see that happens with the students that join the, sh the showcase is that many, not many, but like a couple of them try to apply for the intern job. So mm -hmm. you see most of the interns, if you talk to them, they probably participate in a showcase at some point, especially yeah, before really. getting the job. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. something cool because like you get a way to show to people that you can use ePortfolio, you know how to use the tools, you know how to do everything. So that definitely increases your chance to get hired in case we are looking to hire students. So that's mm -hmm. something I always say to people that are looking for jobs, like at ePortfolio, it's just like apply for the showcase. <laughs> First thing, apply to the showcase, and then we can see about like where you are, you know. Yay. Um. Also, we have the part of networking that I think mm -hmm. is very helpful. Uh, most of our judges are faculty, professors, uh, directors, and other things. So that's a way for you to get in conversation with them. Uh, I remember myself when I was doing the showcase, like doing the presentation, everything. I remember talking to a lot of professors, a lot of professors. Some of the professors, I didn't know who they are. Some of the professors were my professors. Some of the professors I heard about because they had a big name or something. Yeah, so yeah. that's something for you to get in contact with other people. You also get in contact with a lot of, a lot of other students because um, they're also presenting. Some of them are just looking around. Some of them don't really know what portfolio is are kind of confused in the mail <laughs> in the middle of the, the the showcase so they're also kind of learning so that's also a good experience um again as i said about public speaking that's also good because yeah. i know some people just they don't really uh give value of for public speaking you know but it's very good for you to practice and that's a way for you to practice 
as you were talking, you were sharing a little bit about how there, it sounds like there's quite a number of instructors that are involved in reviewing the e-portfolios that are going to be featured in the showcase that are also, it sounds like working directly with some of the students to help them prepare. Is that true? Did I understand that correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, at John Jay, you see every year that passes and goes by, I see more and more professors adapting to portfolio. Mm-hmm. Before, I remember seeing like those same names on the spreadsheet where we keep our workshops organized. And, but every year that passes, especially after COVID, you see a lot yeah. of professors using portfolio and like seeing the value of it. You know, they, a lot of professors still merge with like Blackboard. They use both at the same time. Okay. You see some professors now even like leaving the Blackboard behind only using a portfolio or giving more credit to portfolio as a whole work, you know. So that's something that really changed you know, we, we saw a number of institutions really use that as a time to more deeply explore how e-portfolios could be integrated into their teaching and in some cases, maybe even delivery of the different kinds of content that they had in their courses and group projects and um, all kinds of things, events mm-hmm. um, were happening more and more within that space because it's just so easy to you know, publish things and get things shared with other people. Mm. Um, And kind of along those lines, I was just thinking over these last, um, you know, four to five years, if you've seen within courses, um, you know, is there kind of a distinction you see with some instructors that may be navigating towards using e-portfolios as more of that kind of showcase of their best work versus those that are using it as more of a learning portfolio where the students may be putting in things that are still in process or talking about challenges that they've had and how they've grown from that or um, making connections from something that they learned at the beginning of the semester toward the end or across courses and things Mm -hmm. like that. We, we work with a number of um, schools and sometimes they'll come to us with very specific ideas about how they're thinking about using e-portfolios and may not realize that there's other kinds of uses that are available too. So Mm -hmm. just kind of, curious with your perspective and working with lots of different instructors at the school are there does it, there seem to be kind of a division of those that are using it more as that kind of final curated collection of work to be shared with people or some kind of using it as a creation space or learning portfolio but what do you kind of see so um what i see is more for english classes for example uh-huh. um you see, they want the students to get more creative with the portfolios. I see for the non-English classes, you see they are very, a little bit more academic. It almost mm-hmm. looks like the Blackboard. They want you to have your page title and the assignment. Page title and assignment. They don't really care about the whole um, <coughs> background customization. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more structure. Yeah, very structure, mm-hmm. a little bit in a way. Um, but I do like the English show ones. They do want to do like more about a portfolio. Because mm-hmm. uh, for English 201, 
if I'm not incorrect, because it has been a while since I took this class, but this class was about uh, rhetorical choices, right? Mm -hmm. And rhetorical choices are a lot about um, all the little choices you can make for your audience. So like background, color, pictures, how you're going to display the text, how the text can be read or cannot, is it hard to read, the background is affecting the text, or how you're going to mix all the information, how you're going to put everything together. So they, it's a very a lot about uh, how, what I said, like rhetorical choices. Everything is very important to the audience, right? Okay. So that's something you learn on English 201. At least I learned on English 201. And ePortfolio was very helpful for me to understand that. And I think it probably is also for other students to understand what are rhetorical choices and what choices you have to take when you want to um, achieve determinate uh, audience, right? If you have right. this public, you have to take these choices, you have this other type of public, you're going to go with other choices, you know? So that's yeah, very important. Okay. And also what I think a lot of, uh, what I see from the portfolio is that we have, for most of the workshops, we encourage students to have about me page, right? It's the display page, you enter to the, your portfolio and have a little bit about me, which you, briefly, well, we contain like your a picture, a profile picture for you and a little bit a description of whatever you want to tell your whole class about yourself, right? Some professors have more of a script for the students to follow. Some professors, they leave it a little bit more free to students to write what they want about themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I think that started um, to get even more important during COVID because as we didn't have in-person classes, right, the yeah. professors were not able to connect with the students. Because they students won't like turn the cameras on during the classes. They won't really speak. You won't see anyone. So you don't really get to know who are those students. You only see one picture if the student has a picture on Zoom. Because <laughs> a lot of right. times the student has no picture, right? There's only a right. name. So yeah. with a little the about me information, saying like a little bit of your background, a little bit why you, what you're doing there, how old are you, or anything, one fun facts, the professor can get a little bit more connection to the students as well. So that's yeah. also very helpful for the professors to understand their audience in a way as well, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I see a lot of professors that are using it and they use it in a good way. They get to understand more students to see like, I don't know, maybe the students are more interested in this type of activities. The students are more interested in other type of activities or I don't know, whatever, whichever rhetorical uh, choices, I guess, the professors can get from that information they see on the About Me pages from the students, right? Yeah, and it does seem like even on, you know, as schools have opened up and are doing more in-person work again, that a lot of instructors are continuing to make use of those introductions because mm -hmm. they found one so valuable. So even though they're right. getting that in-person time, it's been helpful to have that kind of background yeah, because they cannot remember all the students, right, by their faces and everything. They have to have a little bit, like, some, uh, something to read. So kind of, oh, okay, I know what student we're talking about, you know? <laughs> I guess that really helps for them, because at least it helps for me when I'm seeing, like, all their portfolios. Yeah, yeah. And I think for, you know, creating that community within your classrooms also. You know, there's not an opportunity for every student to get up and tell their kind of mini life story <laughs> but 
they can include it within their portfolio and find connections with other students that they Even may not to find know friends not. i guess you could go and see your classmates about me and see oh my god this person is from the same place i am from right. or maybe this person yeah. shared the same experience i have i could definitely go and talk to them so that's also in a way for you to reach community at john jay within portfolio as you're getting close to graduation, um, I was hoping you could reflect a little bit on what your how your experience with ePortfolio, maybe your experience as uh, an ePortfolio intern there, how you think that might benefit you in your next steps, whether you continue on to um, get a job or continue on with your education or both. <laughs> mm -hmm. so um my major is more science related it is forensic mm -hmm. science but um what i think that connects my life goals to portfolio in a very good way and necessary way that i needed this job to get on the point that i am is that as i said before one public speaking mm -hmm. because i do like teaching I have to say that's something I learned in portfolio doing the workshops and connecting to students. I do like this part, you know, of academics to be there to students, to help them to find a better way to do things, to help them to just, you know, just to help students in a way. Cause like we need help. We are lost. <laughs> we are all lost. <laughs> Everyone needs help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like it's interesting to see like um, how students behave, how they see things. So that's something that I would like to keep. So um, I think portfolio will be a good thing in my resume for then. Yeah, for yeah. example, you know, I know how to communicate. I know how to reach to students. I know how to make the communication between students and faculty. So that was very helpful for me, especially if I'm, this, I'm not sure about it, but maybe I'm going to research and everything and I'm going to have to mm -hmm. do presentations, how like tell what I did on my research and everything. So if I hadn't passed through the, all this public speaking and understanding how to communicate with others, right? in a professional way, um, it would be much harder for me in future trying to do this without having any other knowledge, you know, as I acquired in portfolio. Um, another thing that I also gonna take it for life from this job is definitely the social media marketing. Because mm -hmm. I know it seems kind of weird when you even I'm, I'm saying like science and marketing doesn't make sense, but it really does. Because actually, like, we're going through this new world that everyone's needing marketing. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer, if you work with marketing. It doesn't matter. You could be anything, but we're all going to need to start using your Instagrams and other social media accounts to get your your name and your word out, you know? So that's something uh, we do a couple of workshops on it. Uh, we learn ourselves. We do a lot of posts. We learn how to use social media to get more rich into students, to build a better community, and just to make things better in a overall. As we're sharing this with our community, um, there are some institutions that haven't kind of taken the leap in developing these kind of peer leadership areas around ePortfolio or developed any kind of ePortfolio interns or mentors. Um, and I was curious if you had any advice that you might share with them. Um, I know sometimes we get questions about, you know, oh, I don't know if our institution has the resources, whether it's um, 
you know, budget resources or um, resources in terms of time. So if you have advice for institutions that might be thinking about that, I know that your school can be very creative in terms of how it's using the resources that it does have, both on the financial side and the time side to kind of make things work. If you might share a little bit of your insight on on that front also. Mm. I think um, for other people, like even if they work in a portfolio, other colleges or any other departments or programs, I think one of the things I had to think is that for you to reach students, you have to make they kind of come to you, which mm -hmm. is hard because it's hard to <laughs> get like these young people attention because like they, they have too much on their plate. You just yeah. have to think about it. A lot of them that have school and work, some of them have kids, they have social life, there's the mental state that you are when you are 20 years old, you know, so like it's hard. So you, you need to give something to them, right? So you can offer sometimes a certificate that they like, you need to um, convince them about like networking and everything, like pointing out all the benefits they can get from that specific event or that specific thing uh, your program is doing. You have to pretty much give everything them very direct directly, you know, so them can really understand what they can get from that. Mm -hmm. And especially if you have like the funds to get some free stuff for them, some merch, that helps a lot. Or mm -hmm. even pizza. One pizza that's enough to get a lot of students to come by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Social media is very important. So I think have a strong team on social media or at least one person that know how to do graphic design, that know how to use Canva, know how to do marketing in general. That's also nowadays very, very important. And I think will become more and more important over time. So mm -hmm. that's something for definitely any program, any department should definitely focus on that to get strong uh, social media depart um, teams. Um, and the other, it's just also what I think, it's just like being nice. At least what works for me, I just go around, I be nice, I talk to people and that really works out for me. So I think you just go around and talk nicely to people, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. always help. And yeah. spread the information you have, you know, don't be shy, just, just say what you have to say. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful advice. And so true, right? That's how we connect with people. Right. Be kind to each other. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful to have a chance to connect with you. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing your story with our community and um, promoting more about the wonderful institution that John Jay is and the great work of the, the ePortfolio program there and all of the ePortfolio interns. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. This concludes our conversation. To hear our next episode, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversation series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.